Sun, surf, and seduction collide as four Americans return to exotic islands hoping their sexy romances can turn into forever. Love in Paradise, The Caribbean, a 90-day story, streaming now only on Discovery+. Plus. Start your free trial. Terms apply. The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. from Washington, D.C. every Wednesday from 3 to 4 p.m. for an hour-long Generation Progress takeover. Check us out at genprogress.org or on Twitter at genprogress. Hello. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Generation Progress takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm your co-host, Edwith Theogene. And I'm your co-host, Charlotte Hancock. Edwith, it's good to be with you in uh, in virtual community on the radio. Yeah, on the radio, <laughs> on a podcast. And for those who are listening to the recording, hello to wherever you're at. <laughs> um, today we have a really exciting show. Um, last Thursday, the White House Office of Public Engagement held a webinar on how Build Back Better plan the Build Back Better plan proposed by President Biden will impact young Americans. Um, Generation Progress was excited to be able to attend the event as well as host a Build Back Better after party with the White House on Instagram Live. Um, Thank you to Dewey, who is one of our featured guests, who we'll get to soon, who helped organize and curate that. And shout out to Hannah Bristol, who's in the Office of Public Engagement, um, fighting for young people. So on this Instagram live event, we discussed how the plan addresses key issues that young people care about, including economic justice, climate change, and more. So now we're bringing this event to your radio airwaves um, to break down exactly what the Build Back Better plan is and what it means for young people. We're joined today by two expert guests from two organizations that were also involved in the Build Back Better after party. We have Sixto Cancel, who's the founder and CEO of Think of Us. Hi, Sixto. Hi, how you doing here? How you doing? Pleasure to be here. (laughs) Thank you. And Dewey Pham, a policy analyst with the Center for Law and Social Policy, um, known as CLASP. Welcome back, Dewey. Thank you. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Yeah, so I already gave Dewey a shout out because uh, Dewey led a lot of the planning for the Instagram Live after party. Um, So we'll be excited to hear more about this. Um, To start us off, uh, Sixto, you're new to the show. Can you tell us a little bit about the mission of Think of Us and how you came to this work? Absolutely. So just um, my name is Sixto Cancel, and I run an organization called Think of Us. And the idea of Think of Us is that we're taking on a series of different projects that help the child welfare system um, be better. Unfortunately, there are um, almost a million young people who have spent time in the foster care system at least one day. And when we look at the outcomes of young people who don't get adopted, who don't go back home, they're bad. 
We're looking at situations where because we have not gotten those same supports, it's it's homelessness, it's underemployment, it's not being able to achieve those educational dreams. Thank you, Sixto. Are you still there? Yes, I am. Oh, great. Um, so thank you. And Dewey, thanks for coming back on the show. What is the, can you remind us a little bit about what the mission of CLASP is and what is your role within the organization? Yeah, absolutely. So at CLASP, it's the Center for Law and Social Policy. Um, we're about a, over, a little bit over 50 year anti-poverty organization and racial equity focused organization, really um, working at the federal, state and local levels to drive policies that um, reduce poverty or hopefully eliminate poverty and advance racial equity. Uh, we also launched an initiative last November called A New Deal for Youth, working with 40, about 40 changemakers, including Sixto from across the country on co-creating this New Deal for Youth platform and trying to win some historic investments for young people. Great. Thank you so much. Um, so I want to jump into and, and learn a little bit more about what we're going to be talking about. Uh, so I'm going to send this question to Dewey. At a high level, can you tell us a little bit about the high level aims of the Build Back Better plan and why CLASP decided to participate in the Office of Public Engagement webinar and um, sort of like facilitate all of these youth groups coming together to host the IG after party? Yeah, absolutely. So at a high level, um, you know, as we've probably all heard, it's been a very slow process, I'd say, on getting this next phase of the American um, Recovery Act passed. So we have the American Rescue um, that happened a couple of months ago. And then this next phase that the administration had been focusing on, on the jobs, the American Jobs Plan and American Families Plan. So the Build Back Better plan is really a combination of those two uh, plans. And it's really, again, his making historic investments into communities. Um, and specifically, when we when the Build Back Better plan first came out, we were really looking at this plan. And you know, we one of the first things we did was just look for youth, do a control F, and see what kind of supports explicitly were out there for young people. And to be honest, there really wasn't many explicitly designed uh, provisions in the plan that they had released. You know, of course, there were different um, parts of the plan that would impact young people like higher in, in education and workforce development things like that but just not having it really explicitly called out was a little bit worrisome and so you know and thanks again to you know office of public engagement Hannah and bristol you know we all are kind of on these conversations meeting with them every week to really emphasize the need to really focus in on young people and so you know working with them really wanted to emphasize and, and get out there that a lot of provisions in the plan would really be transformative for young people. So just wanting to um, bring that message across. And so I worked with the White House and they released a fact sheet on exactly how the plan would help young people. And that was part of that webinar. And since, um, you know, part of it is the challenge, I think, is really getting that message out there. And, you know, for all of us, these groups on here, we're that we can serve as those connectors to young people, to other advocates to really get that message through. So the idea for the Instagram Live was to really, you know, the, we heard from people from the White House during the webinar on the Domestic Policy Council and the public, Office of Public Engagement. But then after the, you know, for the after party, we got to actually hear from young people themselves and directly impacted young people on exactly how the plan was going to help them. Um, so we heard a lot about the investments in the justice in the justice side. So I'm sure, we'll, you know, definitely we'll talk about more of the family side of things as well. Um, the investments in environmental justice and um, in other places as well. 
Thanks, Joey. I, I have a question. I'm wondering if like we could zoom out for a second here. And you know, maybe this is maybe this is a Dewey question, maybe this is a Sixto question, or maybe this is even an Edwith question. Um, so this is something the Build Back Better plan um, is something that the Biden administration has at present proposed and it's outlining their priorities. But we're not in a place yet where Congress has like enacted or passed any of these priorities. Or can you sort of walk through exactly like what the Build Back Better plan um, is um, just to sort of talk through where we are in the process here? Sure, I could start and then um, Edwith six. So please feel free to jump in. Um, so yeah, like we said, the um, you know the administration kind of released these two complementary plans: American Families Plan and the American right. Jobs Plan. And so it's really a framework for um, how they want to guide Congress in this you know this next phase of this recovery. Um, and so that includes you know big big policy priorities such as paid family leave um, and. Uh, paid medical leave um, uh, pa and other kinds of investments like that. Um, but where we are with Congress is, of course, um, slow moving. There's, I think, you know, many of us have heard from about this uh, bipartisan infrastructure plan, which is a lot, um, which is, a, you know, can include some of this, but as we all know, it doesn't really include everything that we asked for, what we've been wanting for. So the next phase of this is to do a really complicated process that I don't think anybody really knows, I hope not, um, of um, <laughs> called reconciliation, where we don't need all the votes, we don't need necessarily all the Republican votes in the Senate to uh, get some of these provisions through. So I, I don't know if anyone else wants to really explain that process, because I'm certainly not the expert there. <laughs> no. It's a lot, it's complicated. It's really wonky, but I think the the plan about it is um, I think what people need to understand or should understand is that the administration has proposed this plan and now it's up to Congress to actually like enact it. Um, and there are some people in Congress who are opposed to some of these things, but these are definitely things that are super important for working families, for young Americans, for people all across this country. Um, and I mean, some of the stuff that's in this, it's like it creates free universal pre-K. Um, it provides some funding for climate. It also addresses housing affordability and access. So these are definitely things that Americans have been asking for. So we're really excited um, to dive deep into that. So we have one minute until break. Um, and I think we I'll might. Add, oh, yeah, I'll just add real quick. Like in the important thing about it, like being in Congress hand, that it's actually in the hands of the American people. That means mm -hmm. that we are supposed to call Congress. We're supposed to call the Senate and engage them in knowing that this is important and this is part of what we envision for our society. Oh, I love that. I love that. It's in our hands. I mean, it's in Congress's hands, but it is in our hands. Um, okay, well, this is great. I'm really excited to keep talking with y'all about the Build Back Better plan. Um, and we're you're, you're listening to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. We are going to be right back after this commercial break. To the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I am your co-host Charlotte Hancock, and I'm your other co-host Edwith Theogene. What is up, Edwith? Nothing much. Just talking about building back better. 
build them back better. Uh, today we are talking about uh, President Biden's proposal to build back better. Uh, the build back better plan was proposed um, by President Biden um, this uh, this year, um, and we're talking about how it will impact young Americans. And I'm welcoming back to the show some of our um, experts slash young advocates. Um, uh, Sixto Cancel, the founder and CEO of Think of Us. Sixto, thanks so much for coming back with us. No problem. It's an honor to be here. I'm super excited for today's conversation. So glad to have you with us. And then also a welcome back to Dewey Pham, um, the a policy analyst with the Center for Law and Social Policy. Dewey, thanks so much for coming back with us. Yeah, of course. Yeah. All right. So Sixto, I wanted, we asked Dewey this right before the um, first commercial break, but I wanted to make sure we got your take on this as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about the aims of the Build Back Better plan um, and why your organization decided to participate um, with the Office of Public Engagement's webinar and Instagram after party last week uh, that we, we all sort of co-hosted as orgs here together? Absolutely. You know, I think first I just have to recognize and acknowledge like this is just such a unique time where we get to say, look, the way things have been working for so many Americans has it's just not working um, moving forward. And so we get to revamp that. And the reason why we got involved is because we looked at two things. Number one, we looked at what does this mean tangibly in young people's lives? And we said we can get behind this. And we also looked at is this the right investment? Does, is this fiscally responsible to make this investment right now? And the numbers added up for us. You know, when I think about what does this mean in young people's lives, I can talk um, all day long, but I'll just share quickly about even just what would have meant for me a couple years ago. You know, growing up in foster care, you're always wondering who's obligated to be in your life. You're always wondering who can you call family, especially when the experience of being in foster care is that you're literally living in a place where someone is calling you family, saying, I love you, but then you find yourself in a new, in a new home, in a new situation later on. And one of the experiences I had as a teenager in foster care was that I, you know, found my older brother, Tyson, and he was 19 when he moved from Puerto Rico to Connecticut. And he had experienced, just like so many of my family members, extreme poverty in Puerto Rico and wanted to escape not just poverty, but the gun violence, the gang violence, the violence that he grew up with, grew up in. And when he came here, he quickly realized that me and my other brother were in foster care and we needed a way out of the system. We weren't in good situations. And so what did he need to do? He needed to get an apartment. He needed to prove that he had income to be able to get us. And unfortunately, like he struggled immediately when he came to Connecticut, he, you know, was part of the English as a second language program. And that education program failed him, right? My biological mother was unable to provide a safe place where he felt comfortable. And so she failed him. And so then he found himself, you know, sleeping at family members' houses and so forth, but ultimately had to go back to Puerto Rico. And within weeks, you know, he lost his life to gun violence there. He was sticking out for someone and is not with us today. And for me, you know, there was a bit of me that, you know, it, it forever impacted me because for the first time ever, I had a little bit of hope of coming out of the foster care system. And it was it was up, it was up to him to be able at night in his early 20s to be able to figure out housing, to be able to figure out income so that he can take his siblings. And so when I look at this plan, 
there's just concrete things in here where I see a $2 billion, invest, $2 billion investment in renovating low-income housing and medium-income housing, right? 500,000 new homes for people experiencing low, low to medium income. I see a child tax credit that continues. And I see the ability that to, 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 to be able to go to community college, an, an increase to the Pell Grant that would make it $8,000 a year. And so when I think about what would have actually prevented, you know, my brother from being able to go back to a very dangerous situation, it would have been the opportunity to have a home. It would have been an opportunity to be able to make income, but to be able to train and to be able to actually participate in the workforce and while being in training, getting paid. And that's what our young people need today. A lot of people think about this in many different ways. But for us and for those of us who have been through the struggle, we understand that these investments are life and death for the people who would benefit from them. Oh my gosh, Sixto, you basically took the right, the next question right out of my mouth. Uh, I mean, thank you so much for sharing your experience and your brother's experience, um, because my next question was actually going to be um, sort of elaborating on young people in this country having experienced huge economic and financial barriers um, in the last 15 years, you know, with the economic crisis um, back in 2008, 2009. Um, and then, you know, going into this COVID um, health and financial crisis as well. So many millennials and more recently members of Gen Z writ large have just started their careers and sort of attempted to, I wouldn't even say like be economically successful, but like, just like buy like <laughs> stable, but you know, I feel like when I talk to so many folks um, who are Gen Z uh, and millennials, it's sort of like, I'm not, I'm not trying to get ahead. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to subsist. I'm trying to survive. <laughs> um, and it's people are having such a hard time uh, attempting to secure financial independence um, and, you know, stability, freedom. Um, so I, I my next question was going to be, what does the Build Back Better plan aim to accomplish for young people and their economic situations? Um, and, you know, you mentioning housing, you mentioning, uh, you know, two years of free community college, et cetera. Is there anything else you want to hit on there? You know, what I would also mention is that it, for those specifically in foster care, we know about 30% of our young people um, before the age of 26 are young parents, right? And so like the fact that you have um, pre, like uh, free pre-K for all, like these are investments that set the tone of your life trajectory. And so the research has been clear about things that do work. And all of this is summing up to kind of one idea and principle. It's how is it that if I'm someone who's experiencing low income, how is it that if I'm someone who is experiencing poverty, that I can break into the middle class? And if I'm in the middle class, how is it that I can stay in the middle class? Because I have now access to a home um, that is designed for low to medium, people experiencing low to medium income, or whether it's because I have an opportunity for uh, some of the investments that are going into community colleges to participate in something that I might reskill my ability. So what we see is a concrete opportunity for young people to be able to learn and to engage in the workforce. Thanks so much. I think we have uh, just a couple, just two minutes left until our next commercial break. So Dewey, I'm going to ask you this question, scratch the surface, and then we're going to come back to it. Um, but maybe just a, a quick answer on how the plan addresses other issues that young people care about. Climate change, higher ed, gun violence. Maybe we could talk about one and come back to the others here. Oh, Mark is yeah. telling me, sorry, Mark, our producer is telling me we have 60 seconds until hard break, which means instead we just, uh, you know, I think that it's just, it's, <laughs> 
Oh my gosh, you got an awkward transition. I'll just jump in quickly and just say, first of all, I think, you know, wanted to uplift Six Joe and he's just been such an incredible leader and incredible advocate. I've learned so much from him. He's inspiring to me. Um, getting to work with him really this past couple of year or this year, past year has just been phenomenal. And just seeing how he puts his heart forward and his whole passion and advocacy in his community. So just want to shout that out. Yeah, we're all part of the Six Joe fan club here. Yeah, here, here. Proud we'll member. be right back with the Generation <laughs> Progress takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at lesliemarshallshow.com. Um, welcome back to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm your co-host, Edwith Theogene. And I'm Charlotte Hancock. And welcome back to our two guests. We have Dewey Pham, um, who's with the Center for Law and Social Policy at CLASP. And we also have Sixto, who is from Think of Us. Thank you for joining us. Such yep. a pleasure. Awesome. So today we are talking about President Biden's Build Back Better plan, which is a once in a generation investment that responds to a lot of the historic challenges facing the country, as well as facing young Americans. Um, we had a great opportunity earlier to hear Sixto kind of walk us through some of the ways that the plan addresses a lot of the issues that are happening around this country and things that can really support folks who are either low income or come from under-resourced communities and some of the economic challenges that young Americans are facing. Um, Dewey, we're gonna pivot to you. Um, I have a couple of questions like, how does the plan further address other issues that young people care about, like climate change, um, and gun violence, and we've heard a little bit about higher education, but if there's anything else that you can say to that. Yeah, absolutely. So just want to touch kind of a little bit first on the gun violence piece. Um, part of this plan also includes a plan to address the gun violence and community safety. And it's really important. It recognizes a shift and a pivot, I think, in recognizing everything that's happened over the past year since the murder of George Floyd and responding to what communities are asking for, which is not more policing, not more incarceration, but it's really investments in communities. So the, you know, of course, we would like to see some more, um, some less investment in things like police and mass incarceration, but the plan really does emphasize um, what they're calling community violence intervention, evidence-based community violence intervention programs, um, like jobs, summer youth employment programs, so jobs, um, other education, you know, uh, connections to health and mental health services to help young people uh, deal with the trauma that they uh, with all the gun violence in the communities. So it's really recognizing that gun violence is a, you know, a symptom of systemic racism and, and poverty. And that's what we really have to address those root causes and not this actual symptom itself with more police. So really excited to see some of those pieces of the plan, um, a big investment in summer youth employment, which is great. Love to see some more of that. I think moving forward, um, and again, just re really recognizes a, a shift in the thinking that you know we got to invest in our communities um, if we want to really combat violence and and, and, and um, enhance public safety. So the other piece on climate, um, like young people care, really care about too, is there's this big part of the Build Back Better plan investing in a uh, civilian climate core. Um, so this would provide lots of jobs to people, kind of that are that is really modeled after a, a new deal program 
that unfortunately at the time only uh, provided employment opportunities for in the civilian corps um, that provided employment opportunities for uh, white men. But this is modeled off of that, and you know, with the right kinds of investments, the right kind of attention, really can uh, open up an entire industry in the green economy for young people and put them on pathways to great, to good careers in a in in green economy and in, in grow in uh, sustainable uh, agriculture, things like that. That that obviously we certainly very much need. Yeah, and it also says that the program like. Uh, what I like about this plan too is that not only is it prioritizing and investing in um, climate crisis and better jobs, but they're also centering clean energy and energy efficient block grants to spur thousands of local projects. Um, the program um, not only is creating the new civilian corps, but it's also investing in clean energy manufacturing right here in the US. So it's really exciting that as we think about building our economy, um, that they are building these like green new jobs and building the infrastructure that young people are calling for um, when it comes to addressing the climate crisis. Look at Biden getting all intersectional. <laughs> <laughs> That's what young Look people Look at all love. the young people making Biden get more intersectional, right? Great, great point, Dewey. Yeah, you know, but at least he's listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And that's actually the interesting thing I want to just touch on is that I think we've been so used to government not hearing us for so long. Mm -hmm. that this is exactly how government is supposed to be working. It's like bring the data, bring the evidence and bring the voices of the American people so that they are informing the agenda. This is exactly how we are supposed to be experiencing government. Yeah, and I'd be remiss to not give a shout out to Sunrise, who's been leading the efforts on the Civilian Corps program. It was something that they pitched to Biden when he was on the campaign trail and something they worked to develop with him, you know, once he got into office. So it's great to see, um, yeah, it's great to see democracy actually like happening the way that it should, um, as Sixto yeah. is, is pointing out. So and I'll just really throw great. out a, a quick humble brag that Sixto and I and you know and uh, Sunrise Movement got to, actually got invited to come to the White House yesterday to talk about these elements of the Build Back Better plan and how it responds to community violence. So they're listening, you know, having young people at the table. That was just an uh, you know, a first for me, but just really responding to young people and making us feel like we're a part of this co-creation. Yeah, that is a great humble brag, though. Congratulations on that <laughs> invite. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you all are practicing your selfie game so you can take oh, it at the sure. White House. Yeah, um, that has been something really cool I've seen out of the administration, the way that they are centering the voices of young people and bringing young people from all different walks of life and backgrounds to the table. Um, and allowing them to express themselves in a lot of different ways. Um, Dewey, you also, within the Instagram Live event, you invited um, a young person to come and actually share, like, spoken word to talk about their concerns uh, around the climate crisis and stuff like that. And I think it was great that the Office of Public Engagement worked with us on that. Um, what do you right. all think about the way that uh, young people are being invited to express their voices and how this is informing like government and how it's important for young people to use their voices, especially now. Yeah, just quickly, I, on Instagram Live too, we opened with a land acknowledgement from a young native um, youth who's, you know, uh, and, and then ended with some spoken word, like how many White House events have really ever <laughs> featured that? So I think we're, you know, certainly making some progress, um, some progress there and really featuring and uplifting and centering young people. 
Well, and one of the things I'll point out is that this is not just about it being creative. It's actually cultural. Well, this administration is prioritizing race equity. And to prioritize race equity means that you take on the practices of those who you are serving that are, are that we're supposed to be in service of. And so people of color, we historically have told stories in a way of communicating, right? We historically have used music and the arts to be able to express not only our grievances and our oppression, but to also express what we hope to see in the future. And so this type of engagement is meeting the American people where they have, where the government should have always met us at. Yes, snaps. Totally agree to all of that. Yes, a mic drop to Sixto. We appreciate that. So to pivot a little bit back to the, the Build Back Better plan, are there other provisions of the plan that people may not know about yet or should be aware of? Anything that you're most excited about yeah, I could just start. I think I mentioned this a little bit before, but on what we've been really pushing for is a large investment in subsidized employment. So publicly funded jobs um, that are directly targeted to young people, young people of color, people you know facing historic barriers to employment, like people with criminal records. Um, and there, there is some. There's a, a small investment there for subsidized jobs, about four billion dollars, and then about a hundred billion dollars more that goes to the broader workforce system. So a lot of investment there in the education or the workforce training and the workforce system is is the uh, public workforce system really is the area where most um, young people of color are, you know, working to get re-engaged in the workforce. So I think if we can kind of direct some more investments, dream bigger, think more um, broadly, work towards things like more, uh, you know, better quality, that are like a, some kind of more job guarantee types of things for young people, for young people of color. We're really trying to uplift this uh, this legislation called the Connecting Youth to Jobs Act, which really would be a uh, landmark sort of investment in jobs for young people and quality jobs and training for young people. So, you know, a lot of work to do, but we're really happy to see the administration at least include this in their plan and and begin working on making this a reality. One of the things that really excite me, I know we got two minutes here. One of the things that excites me also is that there's also, this plan is calling for a $12 billion investment in wraparound services. So we know that going, having a job is, is part of the process, but how am I going to get there? How do I get the uniform? How do I get the mental health supports that I might need? Those things matter and it stops millions of Americans from being able to participate. And so I'm glad that we are acknowledging that it's not just about jobs, it's also about all the supports that go into making that happen for every young person. Yes. That's such a great point, Sixto. I think we've already mm -hmm. called out this plan for being intersectional and now it actually is contextualizing people's lived experiences. So thank you so much. We'll be right back after this commercial break to dig deep further into the Build Back Better plan. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show.
Welcome back to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm your co-host, Charlotte Hancock. And I'm your other co-host, Adoethea Jean. I never want to talk into um, that musical intro. It's I, That's the musical intro that Mark plays. It always actually just makes me want to dance. Um, <laughs> it's always a nice, warm welcome back. Um, well, today we are talking about um, President Biden's Build Back Better plan. And we've already touched on how it's going to help uh, young people around the country, um, how it's um, just got a totally new approach to gun violence prevention, um, how to uh, equitably um, adjust, uh, address climate change, um, how it addresses economic justice, um, higher education, and so many other issues um, that young people care about. Out, um, and not just uh, not just care about, but really need because these are all things that so sort of intimately touch our lives, um, and something that we're not advocating for um, for fun, but because we're living through um, the repercussions and impacts of all these uh, serious issues, um, and so. Since we've sort of started this conversation by talking about how the Build Back Better plan um, has been proposed by the Biden administration and talked about how the ball is now um, basically in Congress's court, I want to think through um, what are our next steps here? You know, um, the Biden administration proposed this great comprehensive, like once in a lifetime um, plan, um, once in a generation investment in so many of these things. Um, but what next? You know, what are the next steps um, for implementation? Um, and how do we take action on this? Uh, Dewey, can you can you talk about um, how people can sort of take action and apply pressure um, and what actually needs to happen to get um, so many provisions of this plan across the finish line? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for this question. It's a, the most important one, of course. Um, so one of the things actually when, you know, we've been talking to members of Congress and really sort of a lot of some of the narrative in the media is that the pandemic is over and you can go to some states and you feel like it's fully open and, you know, that the economy is back and it's growing. And, you know, some legislators and some other uh, conservative members of Congress are saying that the problem isn't that um, we need more investment in jobs, it's that people are you know, not going back to work. But we really know that's not true. And especially for young people, for young people of color, you know, specifically, that they've been really historically excluded from the economic opportunity that's coming. And the jobs that are open right now, they're not the good paying jobs that we need and they need to survive. And so what I've heard from The Hill and, you know, is that they're hearing a lot more from businesses and that are, you know, essentially complaining that they don't have enough workers to fill the jobs that they have open. And so they really need to hear more from us that these are investments that we need, that young people, that people, you know, young people of color, that all these uh, historically oppressed communities need these investments. And they have not, that before the pandemic, they weren't doing well. The pandemic has really exacerbated so much of these inequities. And we really need them to understand and to know that and to prioritize us and our communities and and get this done. I think one of the things that come to mind for me, if you're asking yourself, like, why would I spend time calling Congress or sending an email or tweeting about it with the hashtag build back better plan? Um, it's because literally our counties and our states can't even afford it. I'll talk to you in small numbers. If we have four, according to the Annie Casey Foundation, if we have 4,370 fewer young people would experience homelessness, it would save $9.6 million on a, a night 
right? And that's what we pay per homeless episodes across those numbers of young people. If we had 4,870 fewer young people who would experience, who, who wouldn't experience the juvenile justice system, we're talking about $1.6 billion less spent cost per day, right? And so these investments might be seen huge when we're talking about 40 billion in workforce learning, 12 billion in wraparound services. But at the end of the day, what we end up paying per day is actually more in negative outcomes. And so the question is, is can we make these investments on the upfront so that our counties and our state budgets are not crippled by the massive influx of what we're gonna actually gonna be gonna have to grapple with? Exactly, exactly. Um, I think, I mean, I think that you guys have really just touched on um, so many things about sort of why uh, this, this is, this is new, this is exciting, this is not something um, that we might have um, another chance at, another bite at the apple for, um, and it's something that would really improve so many people's lives. It's sort of like that if this is a, if there's something you're going to get involved on, like why not this? Because um, there is a very good chance that an issue that you care about or directly impacts you or directly impacts your family or your kids or your parents or your siblings uh, or your friends or your community um, will be uh, addressed in a very serious way uh, by so many pieces of the Build Back Better plan. Um, so, uh, Sixto, just what should folks be calling um, their reps and like asking for specifically? Um, what should they be calling them up and saying like, hey, I want this to happen? You know, I think there is, uh, you can go as detailed as you want. You can be as simple as a quick email and say, I support the Build Back Better plan, or I really want you to dig into it. And that's a one-liner email, save you on time. But if there are things that you're really passionate about, go ahead and get engaged. And remember that this is the first step. The White House, its job is to put out an agenda, a framework. And that is just it, a framework. The real implementation comes down when the people put their hands on the keyboard, which are congressional staff members, and they start typing and drafting bills. That is the opportunity for all of us to be heard once more and to be able to inform it. And that is how we actually go ahead and get things through that we are a part of also. Great, yeah. thanks. Go ahead, Edward. Oh, I was just going to add um, that as we think about like calling Congress too, something that I always keep in mind is that so many things change when our administration changes, right? But something that is harder to change is the work that our like Congress does, like when they create policy, make laws, and also decide on like what happens in the budget. So building a relationship with them is really, really important to actually create change that doesn't move, right? That can be more permanent and be more substantial. So I think the Build Back Better plan really scratches the surface about what people need, but we also do need Congress to like, you know, take action and build policy around this and dig deeper. So I, I agree with like everything that everyone's already shared and like the recommendations that they're making, um, just driving home the point that it's super important for people to really have a deep relationship with Congress and ensure that they get the things that they need and that they're doing their job to represent them and their interest. Yeah, and just also wanted to say, you know, there have been plans from the American Rescue Plan that have just been implemented like the child tax credit that have been going into helping families um, it's, you know, just recently started, but working family, you know, expanded child tax credit, but the, it, which is reducing child poverty by 50%. But the thing about it is 
it expires in a year. And so this plan would make that permanent. So do we want to just get rid of poverty, child poverty for one year? Or do you want to keep doing that? And we need this. We need people to call to say, you know, this is really helping me. This is helping my family in so many ways. We need to make this permanent. And that's how we can get some real sustainable and systemic change. Building off exactly. of very concrete things, I, building off of very concrete things, you know, in the last administration, four hundred million dollars was passed for foster youth um, as pandemic relief funds, and so that's still available to September thirtieth. And so, for folks who are out there have foster care experience, go to CheckForUs.org and see what you can qualify for, because those are cash payments that are being there for young people, and those young people are speaking up now and asking for an extension on that money so that it doesn't run out on September. 30th. That is the power of getting stuff into the legislation that it goes past the administration. So I encourage everyone to get involved. There you go. Well, we just have a couple minutes um, until the end of the show. And I want to make sure folks know where to find um, you and your work real fast. Dewey, uh, where can folks find more about CLASP? Yeah, you can find us on clasp.org, but also please go to newdealforyouth.org and join our movement and sign up for Help Our Demands. Find us on Instagram, social Twitter, um, New Deal, the number four youth. And yeah, so pass it to Sixto. Excellent. Thanks so much. And Sixto? People can find us at www.thinkof-us.org. That's thinkof-us.org. And if you're looking for pandemic relief funds, cash in your pocket for former foster youth, checkforus.org. And that is checkforus.org. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, that is Dewey Pham and Six Doe Cancel. And that is about all the time we have for today. And I want to say thank you so much again, guys, Dewey and Six Doe, for joining us. Um, and thanks to our producer, Mark Grimaldi, our communications manager, Emily Leach, um, for helping to pull together this show. And also, of course, to all of you, our listeners. Uh, if you want to hear more from us at Generation Progress, you can make sure to check us out on Twitter um, and also on Instagram using at Gen Progress. Um, and we will talk to you all again on our next remote Generation Progress takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. Um, you know, might be a little bit. We've got a, a long August ahead of us. Um, <laughs> so folks are going to be on vacation, but we're excited to hear from you, hear, hear all of you again soon. Thank you. We asked people in Michigan why they got the COVID-19 vaccine. Because I am pregnant and we wanted to protect our baby boy. I believe in the science. Protect my friends and help our community. And I'm ready to get back to somewhat normal. I want to hug my grandma again. COVID-19 vaccines are tested for safety and trusted by doctors. Find a vaccine near you at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. We asked people in Michigan why they got the COVID-19 vaccine. Because I am pregnant and we wanted to protect our baby boy. I believe in the science. Protect my friends and help our community. And I'm ready to get back to somewhat normal. I want to hug my grandma again. COVID-19 vaccines are tested for safety and trusted by doctors. 
Find a vaccine near you at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services.